0: Welcome to Leveraging Leadership, where we unpack the art of business leadership. I'm your host, Emily Sander, Chief of Staff turned Executive Leadership Coach. In this series, we dive into the role of Chief of Staff, exploring how it can be a game changer and pivotal player on your leadership team. You'll get a backstage pass and learn about the different aspects of the role and what it takes to excel in it. We'll hear from some incredible guests who have firsthand experience serving as Chief of Staff, collaborating with one on their team and don't forget the chief of staff isn't just a title a person it represents a leadership philosophy leveraging leadership is all about finding your points of greatest influence and leveraging them to better serve those around you anna welcome and thank
1: you so much for being on leveraging leadership it's awesome to have you here hi emily thank you so much it's a pleasure and I'm really excited for our conversation today. Awesome, me too. And to get us started off with, so you speak an impressive
0: amount of languages. So is it three, is it four, is it five? How many languages do you speak?
1: (laughs) Well, it's actually only three of them. Uh, So (laughs) I speak fluently Ukrainian, Russian, and English. And an interesting part is that I never learned Russian. So I never studied it in school or in university. I was part of Ukraine in a capital and we all know two languages like just naturally because you know all of TV and commercial was in two languages mm-hmm. yeah so we just naturally learned it and then grammar comes into place later but it's like such a great addition you know like you're born in you know two languages yeah so. for sure
0: i mean that's really common pretty much anywhere outside the us so i remember having clients in europe and they would speak you know, three or four languages, they speak English better than me, and then they'd apologize for their English being so bad. And I was like, okay, I'll go
1: look up what that word means in my own language. <laughs> you. <laughs> so that is very cool. Yeah. That is very no, cool. No, it is very cool. I feel like, especially in California, where I am right now, everyone speaks like English and Spanish, which I feel like those are two powerful languages. Yeah. Like, I wish I learned Spanish too. Maybe no. one
0: English <laughs> is useful. Yeah. If you're in America, it's probably one of the most useful ones. It used to be French. I think French was like the diplomatic language or something. But um, anyway. It is,
1: yeah. French is still a legal language in, in Europe. Okay. So I feel like all the documents in NATO or European Union, they are like in both English and French. Yeah. And that kind of segues us into um, how you got
0: to studying. You studied law as as your profession.
1: Yes. Um, So uh, when I was a child, I always dreamed of becoming a detective. (laughs) And yeah, I loved mysteries and I loved watching like detective movies. But, you know, my family was not very happy about it. Like my mom was saying it's not for a woman to become a detective. (laughs) Yeah, that they need to find another profession. So I found that Being a lawyer is kind of similar as being a detective because, you know, you need to, like, you have unique cases and you find a unique approach to solve them. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to become a lawyer. Um, And then I just got into law school in Ukraine. I studied in one of the best law schools. It's in Odessa. Uh, And I loved it. Yeah. So it was great. And that one was mom approved. (laughs) Well, not really, <laughs> but they were like, okay, it's better than being a detective. A detective. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> so go for it, you know? Okay. And yeah, and I always also like loved helping people. So I feel like with law, you have that power that you can help someone. Mm-hmm. And um, also, you know, growing up in Ukraine, I saw a lot of corruption and I saw that people not are not being treated equally in a courtroom. So I wanted to change that. And I know that one person cannot change the system, but I said, okay, like at least I can help like a couple of people and it's already great, you know? So yeah, no, I mean, I became a lawyer. (laughs) Yeah. It makes a big difference. Yeah.
0: Thank you for that. So take us from, you went to law school in Odessa and then all the way to being chief of staff at TokenSoft. So what's the kind of the recap of of how you got into the chief of staff role?
1: Yeah. So, well, a year before graduating from a law school, I came to the United States for student exchange program. And at the end of that program, I came to Los Angeles to visit my friend. And I just fell in love with the city. Like I needed to come back to finish my law degree, but I had this dream already to come back and study business degree. And at that time, it was like a dream for me because it was too complicated and it was too expensive, but like, I feel like when a person truly wants something, they can do it. Like the universe is going to help you somehow it's going to happen. You just need to try to do it. And so after studying for a year, I studied for my English exam in order to be accepted to, um, business school here. And I found a program that was offering like affordable tuition. Mm-hmm. So after a year, I came back and I was accepted to a business school in California in Irvine, which is like an hour away from LA. My dream, so uh, that was great. I still remember it. It was one of the happiest moments, probably in my life. And um, when I came to United States, I I really needed to find a job. So I started working uh, in consulting company, uh, but soon I leveraged my law background and I started working in uh, various law firms. Um, at, some, like, at some point of time, I was working three jobs and I was being a paralegal accountant, general manager, real estate manager, like everything. And I feel like I learned a lot during that time and because i learned like everything i learned legal billing i learned accounting i had my own cases and at the end i even was working in one of the best uh, law companies in the united states and we were working with top tier clients so probably it's been like 4 years i was working in law industry and i figured out that something was missing like i wanted to work in more innovative and creative environment. So that's how I move in the tech space. Like I started looking for a job and I found a job in a tech startup and I joined it. Uh, for three months, I was working as an executive assistant, uh, but then I moved to a chief of staff position uh, where right now I work as a chief of staff and I help basically manage teams and projects. So having that diverse
0: background and doing a whole bunch of different things set you up well for for being a chief of staff, because there's a lot of that in the chief of staff role. And you mentioned that your legal background um, helped you with other projects. So I'm wondering, you know, what did having a law degree and that um, legal perspective, how did that shape your chief of staff role? Do you use that in your role today?
1: Yes. So my company, we um, we are a FinTech company. And we focus heavily on compliance and regulations in the cryptocurrency space. Yes. And that's where my law background came he- came in handy yes. because now, uh, like, I basically help uh, to communicate with outside counsels. It's, you know, you need to have like a specific background and understanding of law and lawyers work in order to make those communication more effective. You need to know what questions to ask like what documents to review when and how and yeah so basically right now a part of my job is to make sure that all of our documents are up to date and compliant and always like be in touch with our outside concept to make sure that everything is fine and that like we're going in the right direction and whenever we have like you know like a new product line or if we want to change something in our agreements, or if we want to work with a client that has a unique situation, all of those documents need to be reviewed and communicated to our lawyers uh, in a proper way. So that's what my communication is going. Well, all chiefs of staff have
0: to be adaptable and flexible and kind of move with the market and industry trends. But I imagine with cryptocurrency that's even heightened or even accelerated even more. So, Can you talk a little bit about how you mentioned working with outside counsel and then making sure the changing rules and regulations you're staying up to date with and then also filtering that information or conveying that information internally to the executive team um, in a way that is meaningful to them? So can you talk about just talking to all those different groups of people and then conveying information back and forth?
1: Yeah, so um, compliance is a top priority in our company. That's how we differentiate ourselves from everyone else right now. And yeah, as you said, like all the laws and regulations are changing all the time in our area and in our industry, which makes it not an easy task. But as I mentioned, like I work constantly with outside counsels and our outside counsels are top US attorneys. So they always know what's happening or like what we need to change, you know, like it's basically, it's kind of like we have even in-house counsel because get with them every week, like two, three times per week, like we always have something going on and in terms of how it's uh, communicated to internal team, basically whenever we need to review something, everything goes through me. And then I talk with lawyers and then I come back with the results and because Yeah, so basically whatever there is new feature coming up or new product line or new agreement, everything goes through me. And until I say like, okay, we are good to go, like no one releases anything,
0: you know? So you're the conduit. You're the final final checkoff. Gotcha. Okay. And then talk to me a little bit about, um, I think you have a relatively small company still. It's relatively small in the big picture. Um, So how do you work with your principal and other executives? What type of communication do you have with them?
1: Uh, Yeah, we work very closely, as you said, because we are not that big of a team. We spend a lot of time together brainstorming and have meetings. So for example, every day we have a strategy call in the morning and it's a call with the leadership team, which is like our CTO, our head of operation, head of product and CEO and me. So this is the first part. Then I have one-on-one meetings with every head of department. And then we have meetings with each department. And I am going to all of these meetings just to make sure that everyone is aligned. So sometimes I can have like five to six internal meetings a day. It's like half of my week. But it's it's very important because like I need to understand what everyone is working on. I will meeting deadlines. I will not meet in deadlines. If everyone working on the correct thing, because you know, like when you have a vision and like a goal in a company, everyone needs to direct. Um, uh, they are all like uh to the one thing, because if everyone will work on the different tasks, we will never accomplish anything. Yes. So it's important if one department has an issue, like for example, um, uh, I would say this department needs to change something in a product offering in order to better sell the product. They need to communicate it to the developer team. Right. And but they are going to, like, if I'm in sales meetings, then I'm going to developers meeting, I can, like, kind of expedite it. And I can say, oh, this thing came up, can we like, add it to our uh, product roadmap right now and fix it? Yeah. You know, so s- there's little things uh, which are very useful for a company. Yeah. So you can connect
0: the dots because you're seeing across all the different teams. And you also, it sounds like, can provide a little context for other teams, they might not be aware of some information that's happening with sales or with product. And so you can kind of fill in those gaps for for people. Um, Yes. And I'm wondering, so since you have that strong legal background, for people who don't come from a legal background or experience, what's something like, what's some advice you can give people when they are interacting with their legal team or their contracts team or even accounting for that matter? Like what are some things we wish like, oh, I wish everyone knew about this or like I can't do anything with that information because I have to know X, Y and Z. Is there anything like that where if you could get the word out for people when you deal with legal, legal matters or you're talking to your outside or inside counsel, here's what you should do?
1: Basically, it just needs to be very strategic and you need to describe it very well, because if you don't do it, you will go back and forth many times without understanding what's happening. And some people just sometimes don't even think that they need to review some specific issue by a legal counsel. So that's when like someone who understands law comes in handy because like, I know, Oh wait, like we can't do this without asking a legal advice, you know, like and you, then you need to ask it with lawyers. How you communicate? You need to provide all the details in the first email or first communication. Uh, so it so it saves a lot of times. Basically. Well, going back to that
0: detective work. So one of my uh, an attorney I know said, "Do it like a like a investigative dossier." So it's like outline the context, outline the people, and say it factually. So no, like take out the adjectives, like you know all these different. Um, Fillers or biases or different things, but just say the facts and present all that information to the lawyer, and then they'll ask you follow up questions.
1: Yes, exactly. You need to be very short, direct, and specific. Yes. Here is the issue. Here is a document where something needs to be changed. It needs to be changed in this line here. These two words. Can we do it or not? You know, (laughs) you need to be very specific with them because you know law is very interesting and it can be directed in very different directions.
0: Yes, for sure. And I remember our sales team would go back and forth with our contracts team who had a lawyer on it, and they would push for certain things to be in the contract. And sometimes there would be pushback saying, no, we can't do that because it would expose the company um, in these different ways. But sometimes the salesperson would ask for something. And the legal team would come back and say, actually, we have this thing that would accomplish your goal. And the salesperson didn't even know about it. They're like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. So I think your advice of go, you know,
1: double check
0: with your legal team just to see what the options are is good advice.
1: Yeah. And also if it's um, a concept that you engage, like just started to work with. It's very important to give them all the background on about your company and about your technology and what you need to accomplish. Like right now, because we have been working with the same councils since the beginning, they know everything about us, what we did, what we are planning to do and what we need to do or not to do. But like, if you just knew, it's very important to provide all the details. Because sometimes as you said, you might not even think of this solution, but they do because they have many clients. with with the same problems, you know, or with the same technology. Yeah. And just curious, how how closely do you work with finance? Um, I work closely because we need to, um, I'm helping to monitor the budget and we need to establish KPIs so we meet the budget requirements. Also, because I help with hiring all the time, Uh, I need to talk with my finance team how many people we can hire and what is the priority hire and what salary we can offer and so it's yeah i work i work very closely because for example uh last week we had offsite we brought all of our team here uh this, this year we do it once a year okay. and i was the one who organized it Uh, It has been second year that I organized it. And uh, I need to know the budget, right? And I need to work closely with finance team to see what we can afford, what we cannot afford, what is the priorities that we need to do this year, and stuff like that. Yeah. No, sounds good. I remember.
0: So my principal, he was both our inside counsel um, and our CFO, basically in one person. So it was a package deal in that sense. But I know a lot of chiefs of staff, I know a lot of people with legal backgrounds work almost hand in glove with the CFO or the head of finance, just because there is so much, so much overlap. So I was just curious about that.
1: Um, Yeah, because you also, and it works other way around too, because I need to tell our CFO of our needs of the company. You know, I'm going to all of these meetings and I see, oh, maybe our marketing team needs a little bit more budget for their marketing this month, you know, or maybe we need to hire in this department. So where else we can save? Mm -hmm. So I have... uh, weekly, I have a meeting with our uh, finance team to discuss all of those things. Okay. So as we round out here, what is
0: some advice you would give a chief of staff? So an aspiring chief of staff or a current chief of staff and then an executive who works with the chief of staff.
1: Okay. So for someone who wants to be a chief of staff, I feel like it's very important uh, from, yeah, from my perspective to be uh, proactive, and not to be afraid of being a leader, like taking leadership of the projects, being proactive. For example, because you might be hired for uh, for a company and they don't know all of your skills, you know. So you need to show it somehow. Mm-hmm. They are not going to ask you to do something if they are not sure if you are capable of doing it, or maybe they think it's too much. But if you show that you're interested and they put you on a spot and they give you a project to lead, you should definitely do it. Because then you can reveal all your skills and show that you're a leader and be promoted, you know? And the same, I feel like we taking responsibility of the project. I think this is very important because most of the people, I feel like afraid of doing this because, you know, no one wants to be responsible if the project fails or something goes wrong. There is always one person who, who will take an ownership of that. But it goes the other way around too. If the project succeeds, who is going to be rewarded the most? The leader of the project, right? So it happens to me, that's how I kind of moved from being executive assistant to become a chief of staff because I was taking a lot of, like, I was very proactive and I wanted to work everywhere. Like I was very curious about the company and what I can do and how I can help. So my first big project was actually organizing offsite. It was the first time when a company did uh, a big offsite event. We had like three days event. And I planned it, I budgeted, I did all the logistics, everything from the beginning to the end and everyone was so impressed about it. They're like, oh, so she's good, like with budgeting. She's good with project managing. She can execute, she can do all of these things. So maybe we need to promote her, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's what I think is the most valuable thing just to show, speak up and be proactive. I love that. And I think you know being proactive that's one of the
0: biggest things that i work with my clients on is we always have a discussion at some point in the coaching of you probably need to be a little bit more proactive here because if people are waiting for permission or for a specific direction that doesn't always come whereas if you jump into something and you say hey let's try this or hey here's a potential solution let's talk about that i think that goes a long way with people and it gets you out there too and it starts the ball um rolling. And another important thing that you said I just want to highlight is chiefs of staff are leaders. So think of yourself as a leader and an executive high-level leader at that. So a lot of people are like, oh, you know, it's just little old me, so I couldn't contribute to that project, or what I say doesn't matter next to this big executive. But if you think of yourself, and as you should, as an executive leader and part of that leadership team, then you show up a little bit differently.
1: Exactly. I feel like everything starts within us. So, how do you feel yourself, if you feel yourself as a leader, like others will also see you as a leader. Yeah. You know, but if you're going to be afraid and you're going to be afraid of show, show of your skills or what you can do, then people will never like, they will never see that part of you. Yeah. Because I- everyone is thinking about themselves more than about
0: other people, right? <laughs> yes, that's true in business and in life. So just exactly. remember, just a good reminder. And I think the flip side to that is for executives is assume that you have untapped talent on your team. You have untapped potential within your team because you you do. I can almost guarantee it. So, you know, being curious and asking and almost being proactive the other way in really investigating and finding out where your team has strong skill sets is another great way to, to go about that.
1: Yeah, actually talking about this, we had offsite and one of our activities during the offsite, we did a Colby test. I don't know if you heard about it, but it's a test uh, that tests your personality and basically tests your skill set on what you're naturally good at. And we did it as a whole team to understand like what this is uh, basically natural good at and what they need to work on based on this skill set and what are we missing. And it shows like actually excellent results. Like, you know, because some people are very good in like um, taking initiative and quickly start on something, and some other people need to research everything. Like, I need to, before I like start a project, I need to do the whole research, systemize everything, put it in Notion. Like making sure everything <laughs> is right aligned. We have deadlines. You know, I have all the documents for it. Then I can say, okay, let's do it. But some people are like, oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, let's do it let's tomorrow. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you need both kind of people. You know,
0: Absolutely.
1: both kind of people in in the in the organization. So we actually uh, figure out that we are missing like a type of person who is gonna systemize our product roadmap. And it's a good way to start hiring because now we actually decided that whenever we add a new team member, we will give them this task to do. Just to make sure that they have a skill set that we don't have in a company right now. Yes, I love that. And assessments can be
0: useful. I think sometimes they're overdone and people kind of overemphasize them, but they can be a really good framework to work from. I have one chief of staff who... Um, does a series of assessments on anyone coming into the team. And she really uses those to help align. Just like you were saying, we need all sorts of people to have a well-rounded team. And so she makes sure all the different groups or cohorts have all those different people. I'm like you. I like to be prepared. I probably think and overthink about things. Um, and it could use someone who just can jump right in there and uh, is more, is more off the cuff. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm strong in certain areas with my skill set and that person who is more outgoing or influential or gregarious is strong in their skill set. So it re- really does make, um, it does take, uh, all those personalities to build a good team.
1: Totally agree, totally agree. Because if you have like a great project, you created a system and you started it, but you didn't have someone to follow through and take it to the end, you're never going to succeed, right? So that's a very important part.
0: Yeah, and I see a lot of chiefs of staff being paired with visionaries. So like visionaries who invent a company or invent a product or see something in the market that's missing, that's not there today. And then they have that skill set. But they don't have the let's turn it into reality. Let's actually execute on the ground and plan and put and put uh and put arms and legs to it sometimes. So you know, it's it's these pairings that where it's a complementary skill set that brings out the best in each other and gets gets stuff done. So, yes, that's an awesome awesome thing to leave on. And Anna, I want to thank you again so much for being a guest on the show. I love your background and I love your insights and I'm sure our audience will get a lot out of them as well. So thank you once again.
1: Oh my God, thank you so much, Emily. I had a great time and I hope it was helpful for our audience too. I'm sure it was. Thanks so much, Anna. Thank you and have a great time. If you're not interested in gaining valuable knowledge and becoming a better leader, then by all means, don't subscribe. But if you're keen on becoming a highly knowledgeable, more successful, and confident leader, then hit that subscribe button.